You are listening to Pod Save the Rest of Us. Thank you for tuning in. Easy going, easy come. Where'd you get your info from? I found mine on road. All right. Hey, before we get started, let's hear from one of our sponsors. Do your skin a solid with solid lotion bars. Your body heat melts these extremely moisturizing bars into usable lotion. Packaged in portable tins, these are great for the gym, travel, gift giving, and good for any person who's on the go. With many options to choose from, there's a solid bar just for you. My personal favorite is Citrus Bursts. So Pod Save the Rest of Us listeners, do us and your skin a solid by supporting our sponsor. Please visit Solid today at www.solidlotionbar.com. And to get your unlimited use savings, use the coupon code PODSAVE. Trust me, your skin will thank you. Welcome back to Pod Save the Rest of Us. We are your hosts, Elizabeth Stanley and Karen Castro. We have been working in the off-season to bring you stories of 10 vastly different women who, through the resiliency, have beaten the odds and nevertheless persisted. We walked away from these interviews feeling inspired. We hope you do too. If you like the episode, please subscribe, rate, and review us and help us get these stories out into the world. Enjoy the episode. I first heard Layla Motley at the Women's March last year. I was quite distracted by the many ongoings of the day and my attention was all over the place before her speech. And it was definitely without clear focus. That was true until I heard a loud voice demanding that I listen. Not by saying so, but by the words and the inflections of how those words were spoken. Layla Motley said, of mine, we do not have one story. All women did not have the right to vote in 1920. The women's suffrage movement was for white, cis, straight women. We do not have one history. In this world of ours, we don't get the luxury to march for one thing. To claim women's rights without claiming black power without acknowledging that trans women are women, without understanding that we are not entitled to every experience, that we do not get to stand here and shout over each other. Sisters of mine, we are not one. We are not one and I will smile when I say this because I want to see the lines in your poems and wonder what they mean, what it feels like to hold your ancestors' traumas, to be carrying the weight of everything you must be. This is the beauty of screaming, ain't I a woman, and hearing a chorus of, speak my sister, break this silence, break our silence, speak to what my blood cannot understand. 
sisters of mine, let us march for recognition that our bodies are equally women, that we are not living in an equitable world. Let us march to own these arms, to claim ourselves. Let us march for every woman who can feel this ache between their shoulder blades. Sisters of mine, let us march until our feet pulse, until the only way we can keep moving is to hold each other up. These words were being belted out to thousands of us standing at Lake Merritt, either hoping to inspire or to be inspired. It appeared to me that Layla drew us all in. When Layla captured all my attention, I expected a wise old woman summoning up years of fighting the good fight, excited to have a platform to beckon change in this Time's Up movement. Imagine my surprise when I learned these insightful and inspiring words were offered by a 15-year-old child. I'm still in awe of Layla's ability to cut through it all and tell it like it is. And she does so only as an invitation to help and to create change, positive change. She does not judge. She only speaks her truth. Layla's truth mesmerizes me. I left Inspire last year knowing I could make a change and we were united in this belief through the words offered by Layla Motley. She reminded me that all voices matter. This is why we need to keep going, she suggests, and why we need each other. Layla's speech spoke truth to our differences. We need to lean on each other, believe in each other, and this is the only way we can create positive change for one another. Yes, that is exactly what Layla's speech meant to me last year. And yes, she at the time was only 15 years young. Layla is now a 16-year-old, still a child. She's a year wiser, a year bolder, and a year stronger. I walked away from our interviewing knowing if indeed the children are the future, then it would appear, at least to me, we're in good hands with Layla Motley ready to take the helm. A soul like Layla's needs to be shared as often as possible. So I'm excited today to share the ever-inspiring and award-winning Miss Layla Motley with you all. I must admit, I'm a fan, and when sitting next to Layla, I was giddy with excitement. Her brilliance filled the room, and I was thrilled she was able to sit and share her story with me. Thanks, Layla Motley, for reminding me that even when we are hurt, we still have power, and that together we may cry but we can triumph as well. Layla grew up proudly in Oakland, California. She is currently a senior in high school, doing all she can to stay focused and finish high school strong. Layla is attending Oakland School of the Arts, or as is commonly referred to as OSE. I asked Layla what has molded her insightfulness. Was one moment more pivotal than the next? Or are her thoughts an amalgamation of many life events? I don't think I think of who I am as, as a product of one moment, but throughout my life there have been 
continual events that have made me need to make choices. And and I think that also when I make the, the wrong choice or the choice that, that does harm to me, I learn from that. And a lot of it has been just learning how to to have a voice when I'm told I'm not supposed to. And I've grown up in really white spaces and I've grown up in non-white spaces at the same time. And so the constant code switching and trying to to figure out who I am alone, I think has been really important for me. And then just the the violence and and the assault on the body is really hard to to cope with and to maintain self as separate from that which i think has probably made me need to to make choices that have molded my disposition definitely uh and my writing of course and the writing is coming out of of a need to survive and a need to survive through words and take up space through words and performance too as just actually speaking which is hard to do and and definitely hard to do when you have people around you who don't want you to we learned from layla her voice was always there but she was so shy she was unable to share it. She has spent so much time honing her skill of writing, but even more time learning how to be vulnerable. Vulnerable enough, that is, to share her thoughts with the world, especially with her family. Layla shared with us her process that has lent itself to sharing more and more. Well, I think for a long time, I didn't want my voice to be heard. I wanted to be quiet because I wanted to not be seen because when you're seen it feels naked there's not really anywhere to hide when big words that you wrote because I did theater for a long time that made me learn how to verbally say things but those things weren't mine and I didn't have to claim them but when you when you say it and you wrote it you're claiming it as yours and I I think a lot of it was me just not wanting that to be mine and my experiences to to be solidified in in words and invisible words i think i write a poem and then often i'll put that poem away because sometimes they're painful for me to reread and sometimes they're they're too real for me to reread and for me to keep know that if I if I perform this then I'm going to need to continually re-experience this and and I think that's one thing that a lot of poets who do spoken word have to cope with is how do we both heal from our trauma through poetry and not re-traumatize ourselves mm -hmm. through poetry. Um, and so I think it's been an important process to be able to sit without reading it and and slowly become accustomed to like, yes, I can say this um, and I can unlearn the things that I've been taught about what I'm supposed to say and what I'm not supposed to say. Um, and a lot of my poems are angry and I think that that's one thing that has been hard for me 
to come to terms with is I am I'm allowed to be angry and my anger is valid and I think that as black women we're constantly taught that that's not that's not what you're supposed to do uh, and that if you're angry that's all you can be and so I've had to kind of give myself space to uh, accept anger as a part of my experience and not my whole experience and so when I finally decide to perform a poem or say it out loud, I I need to do it alone first, I guess. Um, and I need to hear myself say things that I've never heard myself say before. And then I need to come to terms with the fact that if I perform that in front of other people, that then that is part of my story and people may interpret it in different ways. And I have to be okay with that because the second you you publish something or you say something in front of a crowd, you no longer have full ownership of it and everyone else can interpret it the way they want. So you need to know for yourself what it means to you. So I've had to do a lot of processing and coping with each poem that I write and perform which has made it more authentic for me. And it's made me feel like I have a voice that is fully mine because I don't say things without thinking about it. You know, every poem that I'm reading is intentional in every way, even if it's raw and unedited. Um, and so that has been a huge growth for me from being this really, really shy little kid who did not want to be seen in any way to presenting myself in my wholeness and allowing people to take that in any way that they want because I know what it means to me. Layla has an understanding that belonging to a community means to act responsibly. Because of this, she's an active member of the student-led organization, Lift Every Voice. She's also a dedicated prison abolitionist. Her passion in these areas was driven from her family members' experiences and her gained understanding that the justice system is not fair and not always a just system. That came out of actually experiences with other people in my life and adults who worked in in prison abolition, as well as just like the history of incarceration in my city and um, and in my life. I think that my my dad's stories have fueled this like this need to to be an activist and to kind of almost heal the things that were so cruel and wrong. Um, that happened in his life and that have happened in mine and that I don't want to happen to my brothers. And my sister, she was in foster care for a long time. So her experiences of just separation and and just that feeling of isolation is so connected to incarceration and to the legacy of incarceration. Uh, and I think that oftentimes we leave out youth incarceration when we talk about the prison system and so it was important for me living you know within 15 miles of two detention centers to make space through art for these experiences that I couldn't fully understand that I wanted to yeah
Although Layla could not express to us specifically when we asked her when her most difficult time in her life was. She did state that it was somewhere in her childhood. And what immediately came to mind is that she began battling depression. And this time of great difficulty coincided with the processing of her own sexual orientation. Of course, through it all, writing was Layla's salvation. I would say in the most difficult time in my life, I think things happen in your childhood that then you aren't able to process or cope with that then come up for you later in life. So I think that that happened for me maybe in eighth grade and and I went into a depressive episode that left me really isolated and I didn't write for a long time. And then I started writing again. And I think that writing wasn't necessarily a tool to to help me with the difficult moment, but help me um, exit it and reflect on it. And that was like a, a processing of a lot of my family problems. It was processing my queer identity and I'm processing assaults and all at once I think uh writing helps me be able to remove myself from the depth of the isolation because when when you write it down you don't need to be all of what has happened to you you kind of get to to compartmentalize it in a way that allows you to reflect and to move through it instead of move on necessarily. And so I think that moving into what has happened with writing and then being able to take that and integrate it, that's who I am. And now I'm able to continue. And I think that 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 writing does that for me. But also writing's really hard in the moment. And I think that Often it's been more important for me afterwards than it has been during. As our interview continued, it became more and more clear that Layla had been repeatedly assaulted. But in our discussion, it became also clear that by no means is Layla a victim. She uses her words to fight against the burdens that lie within her assaults. Her words without question are powerful and they have helped her process the complexities of life experiences and the complications of her life with her father. We've had a complicated history. (laughs) I think that he's one of the people that I've learned to to continually forgive and, and almost rebuild with. And I think that that's like a common thing that happens within my family is like we... We often have scarred relationships with each other and and separate and we don't repair um, and we don't talk about it. And it's really important to me that, that I shift that cycle and that we give each other space to grow and to show up. And my dad has done that and continues to mess up and do it again. So I think that it's a two-way relationship and and I'm really grateful that he's in that with me. Layla would argue that she's always been a writer. Perhaps it's in her DNA as her father is a screenplay writer. 
but writing really became important to her in the seventh grade. I started writing in seventh grade, like really um, passionately. Like I started writing as a writer in seventh grade, but I wrote in school, like for school, and I always liked it, but I wouldn't like share it with anyone. And then in seventh grade, I started writing poetry again, and I I can't really pinpoint why. Um, I think it was probably because of who I was reading at the time, and my my dad is a screenwriter, so I kind of learned that as a possibility for for life that writing is a valid career, and so I started writing to write and not just for school or for an assignment, but I was not performing and I was not sharing it. And then it was ninth grade that I started performing. More and more Layla's being asked to perform her works. Writing was easy for her, but she's had to learn to overcome shyness to perform these works that she has created. I was very surprised to learn that at the 2018 Women's March, she had just created the piece that she was now sharing with the world, and it was the first time she had done so. She performed it brilliantly. I do a lot of events, so uh, people ask me to come to events, and uh, and then I get up and I perform poetry, and that can like vary in style and content depending on where I'm reading and how much time I have. I, I do big events, I do like small galas and sometimes I'm just like doing it for a march or, or something more like activist related. Layla, the consummate dreamer, shares to us how important hope is now and how important hope is to the future. I hope that we get even more intentional and angry and and ready to do more and that everything we do is calculated and is is done because we we want change that will that will bring hope to everybody and I think that the maintenance of hope is through action. And if we aren't able to continually move towards the future we want, then we aren't able to hope for the future we want. And I don't really know what that's gonna look like. And I think that that's kind of the best part about it is that we don't we don't know that and no one knows that. And the only thing that we get to do is try and molds our own lives towards something that feels like hope, even if it ends up turning out completely differently. Layla Motley is going places. It's just a fact. And along her journey, listen to who she'd like to meet. I recently met Elaine Brown, which was my pinnacle. That's probably who I would have said before I met her. Um, She's amazing. She um, is a former Black Panther leader, actually. And she lives in Oakland. She's a great activist and just an amazing person. And she wrote a memoir, too. I'd probably 
say just like from a writer standpoint Toni Morrison maybe Sonia Sanchez and Tazaki Shange just passed away which was really sad and Asada Shakur love to meet her yeah. so Toni Morrison I think she's just like she set a new precedent for what writing can be and for what the black woman's narrative can be and she's just amazing and she's still alive and she's lived through a lot and i'd love to just talk to her uh, about writing and about her life then sonia sanchez she's one of my favorite poets she's incredible and and the things that she does with poetry they really kind of revolutionized free verse poetry in the same way that Antisaki Shange did. That hearing how she did that or how she even like thought to to write in this new way that is so color focused, like her imagery is amazing. And then Asada Shakur, she's still in Cuba right now, but she's a legendary activist and she's made choices that that I can't even imagine how hard they've been to make and she has constantly been in a state of needing to to survive in one way or the other. And she still continues to to be this advocate for black rights and for women, women's rights. And she also continued to point out the flaws in every movement she was a part of, which I respect. Unabashedly, Layla will express her love affair for Oakland, California, her city. This love affair, in fact, has won her awards. Layla has always lived in Oakland with her grandmother. It is in her town and her multi-generational home where Layla has found her insights. Layla argues fear drives too far too many poor human decisions. She's learned that from the women who have inspired her, that talent provides a platform. And on and with her platform, Layla would love to help her city, Oakland, California, and she would love to make changes in the justice system. I think that, of course, my first thought is always Oakland, and that's where I'm from. And and I'll like continue to not only fight for the preservation of my city, but also this is like a universal city experience. Gentrification is everywhere. And I think that there are root causes in, in capitalism and in poverty that we, we can continue to address through these like tangible experiences of city life. And then I think that incarceration and again, the, the systems that allow that to be a possibility and allow us to to accept incarceration and i think just like addressing what is fear and how is it informed by bias and how do we get to claim agency and how do we shift every narrative by including more so i think that my, I, I think it's hard for me to choose, um, choose issues to uh, focus on, but in the end, I think they're all interconnected. So whatever feels most um, urgent to me in the moment, I want to to say, and and however that the whatever the repercussions of that are, I'd love to to see people just thinking and talking more, but. 
also talking about how one thing isn't one thing and how everything is so nuanced and we can't leave it at one conversation or one piece of policy or one story. And, uh, and I think that that's like the most important thing for me is how can the multitude of stories that, that exist in the world work together um, and how can I tell mine? I asked Layla to share a piece of her current work, which at this moment best defines who she is or what corresponds best with her understanding of the world at this point in her life. Yeah, so I, I've been thinking a lot about what it means to, to leave Oakland, and I guess I can read that poem. And I think I've been thinking a lot about just like the legacy of generations of my family and, and what it means to pass that on. And so this is a poem. When my daughter asks me to show her where I'm from, I will take her hand and swing her down these streets, let her feel the roll around, skip, bump, trip over herself, small girl, big city. I don't think I'll take her to the red house where I'm always walking on my tiptoes. There's not enough time to be quiet. There's a man on MacArthur who always asks how you doing, sweet thing, and not in that creepy spill me on sidewalks, old man, small girl kind of drawl, just like he is from these streets and I am from the tiredness of him. On Bart, my girl will try to roar as loud as the train tracks, and I will not tell her to hush. Feel me in the aftermath of this wind. I am on my way to girlhood. When she asks why I left, I will take her on the 72M and tell her to look out the window. San Pablo waves to us, and here she sees the tents, and she sees the bodies, and she sees the cop cars lined up outside the shutdown barbecue place, and she sees me stare and not look away, and I guess this is why I left. My eyes got tired, and the only thing worse than the wind cracking hands open is forgetting this is not normal. We get off the bus in downtown, and the only thing I have not shown her is all the fingernails that have left a trail down my spine. Don't worry, it's not the city's fault. This body is simply a battlefield, and the fight wore me down. I hold her hand. Take her to the bus. Stop where men crowd around us and chip away. Turn over. Scraped knees. There is never anywhere to run. I tell her this is where I'm from. Take her to the man who sells strawberries by the freeway. Piles them into a green plastic basket and asks us to taste. Just one. Just a bite of this city. We do. It is everything juicy and ripe and rotting and I do not want to swallow, but it rolls down my throat and I am left with a tongue of bitter, swollen choke. This is where we're from, baby. This is where I'm from. Layla told me that the poem that she just read was so difficult to write and moreover to return to it. In fact, in reading the poem to us, that was only the second time she was able to share it with the world. Needless to say, we are all very honored. Many folks have felt their voices throughout generations have been silenced. Layla understands that her family's voice is able to be heard through her. And this is despite the fact that much of what Layla shares may prove uncomfortable for her family. As always, Layla's honesty must prevail and it does so in her writing. 
they're really supportive of my writing, even if there are things that make them upset. It's more of them feeling exposed than them feeling like I shouldn't say it. And that's like speaking to my immediate family. There, There is content that I probably wouldn't read in front of, of some of my extended family and that I also, before I release something, I am very much cognizant of the fact that people in my family might see or read them. And, and so I've like made peace with that. And I think a lot of that is me just accepting my writing as my truth and not feeling the need to shy away from that. But yeah, I think that them seeing me continually getting recognized for it, especially for my extended family, has made them, you know, just approach it with more validity. Just like what, what I'm saying is valid because it's been validated by other people, which I don't necessarily think is true, but I, I could see how that could help them approach it at least in, in a more open way. Layla shares with us another one of her great works. Down by the bay, bottoms of boats swallow us. Like vans, like Jaws, International Boulevard stuffs us into its mouth. Street girls sour, how many missing persons flyers can fit in my mouth before I choke? For every shadow of a girl on my bus route, he opens the car door, asks me to choose another name. Who will I be for Halloween? Jezebel, the child running. Anna went missing last month. Last seen in Jordans. Last seen in her own skin. I think I find her by 35th, scabbing in her booty shorts, her tracks loose. I ask her if she wants a new wig. She says she wants a new set of teeth. Daggers shining. My friends and I stare at each other. Make bets about our own abductions, what shoes we'll be wearing. I make sure they know my height, know how to claim my calcified body. For Halloween, I'll be all my nightmares. Walk the streets at midnight, search for all the gone girls with bleeding scalps, search for all their shoes. Twenty bucks said she held, ha- she held hands with her ghosts. Five, three, and a tank top, twinkling teeth, OPD snickers at all our limbs. Tries us out in the back seat, all the little girls, all the men who sift through missing persons reports, then pay the pimps, buy away borders of our bodies, girls dressing up as women, where is the candy? We are always searching for an escape route that doesn't exist, where did the mannequins go to hide? I ask my mother to put me back in her body. She says she is not a safe haven, only the bay has the answers, where all the boats have a heartbeat. They hide us in the salt, in the boxes. We ask the walls to let us touch the water, but we are only for the land, the men, the masquerade, last seen in the sea, last seen without a body. If you are anything like me, by now you must be asking, How? How is this mere child so wise, so well-spoken, so insightful? Layla's words speak her truth. Her truth not only wins awards, but it is also daring us all to listen. I mean, really listen. 
but those same words remind us that just listening is not enough. They ask us, can you just sit and listen? Can you just sit and be a mere spectator in your own life? Or will you dare to take the needed action? Are you willing to jump into the deep end of life? Will you let the water take you under, despite knowing it could very well take your life? Layla's words give us hope that each of us is stronger than our life's negative currents. We, as Layla reminds us, are the purveyor of our own hope. And so, of course, we jump in to save our own humanity. Layla Motley, thank you for reminding us that it is not enough to just exist. We must exist authentically for others. To support Layla's effort for prison reform, please visit PARC, P-A-R-C. PARC is a prison abolition group committed to exposing and challenging all forms of institutionalized racism, sexism, ableism, heterosexism, and classism, specifically within the prison institutional complex. PARC believes in building strategies and tactics that build safety within our communities without reliance on the police. Park also works with teachers and activists on many prison issues. This work includes building action networks and materials that expose the continuing neglect and outright torture of more than 2 million people in prison within the USA. Park is fully funded by individual donations and foundations. So to support their efforts, please visit prisonactivists.org. Park is fully funded by individual donations and foundations. Visit Park. That's P-A-R-C at prisonactivist.org. This episode was engineered and produced by Elizabeth Stanley and Karen Castro. We want to thank our contributors, Hunter Lewis and Robert Stanley for theme music, Danny Burns for transition music, Justice Stanley for web and social media content, Jasmine Smith for web design, Caprice Hall for graphic artwork, and our sponsors, Solid Lotion Bars and the JEI Learning Center. If you wish to find us, you can find us at www.podsavetherestofus.com as well as on Instagram at pod save the rest of us you can also find us on twitter at save the rest of us we'd like to remind you to please subscribe rate and review us wherever you get your podcast thank you for tuning in